Welcome to You Can Sit With Us, a podcast by women for women, celebrating you and the life you're living no matter where you're at. I'm Claire Hamill, a blogger, mom, multifaceted entrepreneur, and aspiring rebel. I'm a former rule follower that now believes there are no rules. So whether you follow them or break them, you have a place here. I'm Beth Morse, a life and career coach, mama, connector, and recovering perfectionist. I'm here to get real about how messy life can be and want to sit with anyone who's in the midst of rumbling with their own story. We're going to bring the raw, the funny, and the real to life. And no matter where you are, you can sit with us. Hey, Claire. Hey, Beth. How are you? Good. How are you? I'm good. Good. I'm so happy to be with you always. Oh my gosh. It's so fun to do this on such a regular basis. It's the best thing. It's like hanging out with a girlfriend. That is exactly what it is. Thanks. <laughs> Thanks, Claire. <laughs> You're so good at definitions. Oh, I'm so good at definitions. You're welcome for teaching the next generation. <laughs> my sixth graders are so lucky. Shaping young minds. <laughs> yeah. Well, oh. Um, this is, we're just going to get right into our topic today. Yeah. We don't really know how to, how to get into it except to just get into it. Yeah. Uh, you guys know that we have been covering a lot of, a lot of different topics related to womanhood, mm-hmm. anything that we might encounter as females, um, we've been talking about and there's no topic that's off limits for mm-hmm. us. And so today we wanted to talk about, Anxiety and depression, because mm-hmm. it's a real thing, and we need to talk about it more. We need to talk about it more. We need to normalize it a little bit more, and yeah. especially we wanted to talk about it this week because mm-hmm. of the unfortunate and untimely deaths of Kate Spade and Anthony Bourdain. Mm-hmm. Um, so sad. Just tragic. Really tragic. No. I feel like these two hit me a whole lot harder mm-hmm. because they were brands and people that I really related to. Yeah. I mean, my favorite mug at home is a Kate Spade mug mm-hmm. and love just all of her jewelry and designs and clothing and mm-hmm. purses. Every, I mean, my husband will tell you, I love Kate Anything Spade. Anything Kate Spade. Absolutely. Yes, I'm me in. too. And I just love her, um, her vision for, mm for her designs and, and her work. Mm-hmm. And then Anthony Bourdain. Oh my gosh. Ooh, that one was in, I feel like an even bigger blow. I, yeah. So I actually ran into Anthony Bourdain a few years ago. Oh, super random. No I, I never talked to him that that wasn't the thing, but, um, yeah, it was when I was dating my ex-boyfriend, we were in a shop and he in Seattle, in Seattle, yeah. Oh my gosh! And he was filming a an episode while we were yep. while we were there. And, Too uh, cool, yeah. And so, you know, I noticed something out of the corner of my eye and turned around, and there was Anthony Bourdain standing mm-hmm. right there. Mm-hmm. And um, my my boyfriend at the time, he was a, an aspiring chef and foodie, and I was embracing kind of my foodie mm-hmm. side for the very first time and really started identifying that way, and. And so it was like, oh my gosh, Whoa, this is like the food guy, the guy, yeah, the totally. food and travel and culture. And yes, I just, Anthony Bourdain, just really bringing the light to places that didn't always get it. Yeah. And I just love that about him. Me too. Making food and, and travel really accessible and making the world, you know, a little bit smaller by allowing us to see places that 
that maybe we would never would get never to see. see. Totally. Right. Yeah. So yeah. Anyway, just really kind of a tough week. And I, yeah, I was so, you know, anytime a celebrity passes away for whatever reason, obviously mm-hmm. we're impacted by it, but this time, and especially with the two really back sure. to back, yep. it was really interesting to see the social media mm-hmm. response, mm-hmm. people posting, check in on your friends. Yeah. And so I think that this is our, this is our check-in with each other and with you all. And mm-hmm. um, it's way more complex than, than just a podcast, right? Sure. But, yeah. but this is part of it for us too, that, that we want to be the voices in your ear, but also the girls sitting next to you on a regular basis. Absolutely. We're doing the meetups in conjunction with this to just solidify the fact that you are not alone ever. Yeah. So for sure. Yeah. I think that the general theme that came out for me is that, um, you know, Kate Spade and Anthony Bourdain both have this like brand attached to them. Yeah. And that's what we see. Right. I mean, Mm -hmm. that's the thing with celebrities. Whenever anything like this happens, we see the brand that they've created. Sure. Um, we see the products or the <clears throat> entertainment that they've created, but we don't often see, even if we think we see, we don't often see what's actually really happening. Mm-hmm. And so that that is the theme that came out over and over again as I saw social media responses and things like that. And, you know, um, I'll just say that as we jump into this conversation, I strive in any courageous conversation like this to speak like my own truth mm-hmm. and um, my own experience. And I may have thoughts and beliefs about what anxiety and depression are um, that are different than other people's. Totally. And I have totally run into that. Yeah. Um, but I, it's really important that when we talk about it, we talk from our own experience and not somebody else's, but that when we listen, we listen from an understanding ear rather than a combative Ear. Right. Do you know what I'm saying? Absolutely. Um, and especially when it comes to topics like this, I think it's hard. Mm-hmm. It's hard to to bring something like this up. Yeah. To say I'm depressed or I yeah. have anxiety and it means this for me. Mm-hmm. And to to really just respond with, tell me more about that. Yes. Yeah. Like I I want to understand that more. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So tell me, tell me your experience. So my experience around depression and anxiety, um, I growing up, I think the term that I like to use is melancholy. Mm-hmm. My my mom would say that I had a tendency for melancholy mm-hmm. growing up, mm-hmm. like circumstantial melancholy. Yeah, yeah, and just I think I think that was like a nice way of saying I was sort of moody as a teenager. Yeah. Yeah, which, which is normal. Normal, totally mm-hmm. normal. But also um, feel I'm an empath. I feel things on a different level than yep. I would say most people. I'm picking up on things that people aren't necessarily picking up on. Mm-hmm. And and so I can get down. I, I you know, remember yeah. kind of feeling down. Well, a, that's exhausting. A lot more often, yeah, mm-hmm. than I thought, than I felt like my my peers were. Mm-hmm. So, but up until up until I had my daughter, I had never experienced what I would consider depression or anxiety. Mm-hmm. That absolutely changed after I had Macy. Mm-hmm. Um, I I remember, gosh, I remember in the early days, and my 
my ex-husband, my husband at the time was an airline pilot and he was just, he was gone Mm -hmm. a lot. So I was doing a lot of the newborn stuff by myself Yep. and we were living in a different state. So I didn't have family there. And so it was very, I mean, motherhood and the newborn stage is super isolating anyway. For sure. Yeah. But then to be in a place where really physically I didn't, I didn't have a whole lot. I didn't really have a great network Mm -hmm. um, to support me. Um, and it all, you know, it all snowballed. So sure. to kind of fast forward, I'll, I'll fast forward a year and a half. I didn't actually start taking medication until a, about a year and a half after I gave birth. Mm-hmm. So even though I was showing really clear signs of postpartum depression, mm-hmm. um, and, and I had met with my nurse midwife, um, to let her know. And she actually prescribed something for me. She d- prescribed an antidepressant. When Macy was a year and a half. No, this oh, was early when, on. Yeah. This Got was it. when she was maybe, I don't know if it was at my three month checkup or my six month checkup, something. And I was saying, I was telling her, you know, I'm having all these really intrusive thoughts, which is such a, boy, that's the worst part. Mm-hmm. It's the worst part where you think really terrible things yeah. without meaning to. Yeah. It's so outside of yourself. Yeah. Yeah. And and I had thoughts, and this is really, this is really heavy stuff of Macy visions in my head of Macy crashing onto our, um, tile floor Mm -hmm. and like cracking her head open Mm -hmm. as an infant. And I, it was, and that one, that one is so vivid to me that it would not. And it's, I mean, I don't have that anymore, but, Mm -hmm. but I remember having that over and over and I was like, what is wrong? Yeah. Why am I even thinking about this? Why am I thinking about this? I can't stop thinking about it. Mm -hmm. And, um, and also, you know, feeling so alone and so isolated and Mm -hmm. so, um, just disconnected Mm -hmm. that I, I remember having a real conscious thought of, I could nurse my baby at you know, two in the morning or whenever it was. And I knew that she was a really good sleeper and I knew she wouldn't even wake up for like six more hours. It would be eight o'clock before she even woke up. Mm -hmm. And I thought I could drive a long way in six hours Mm -hmm. and I wouldn't even need to let anyone know that Mm -hmm. I was gone until, until they were awake until like 7am. Right. Mm -hmm. I could call someone at 7am and say, you need to go to my house. Mm -hmm. There's a key under the mat but you need to take care of my daughter. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I mean, heavy, so mama. heavy. Yeah. yeah. And, um, gosh, I don't even know how many people I've actually shared those. Yeah, things I've never with. heard you say that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I don't even know if I told my midwife all of that at the time, but she, she seemed to think that it was serious enough to prescribe something to me, but I didn't take it. Oh, interesting. I did not fill the prescription. Tell me why. Um, I had a partner that wasn't super supportive. Oh, that's the short answer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. and, and I was, I was in a place where, um, a lot of my, um, a lot of my beliefs around, um, medication mm-hmm. and, and general health and well being was, was really anti-medication mm-hmm. at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so I was really of the mindset that I could, I could, um, if I just changed my mindset, I would be better. Mm-hmm. Like if I just thought positively, I would be better. Mm-hmm. 
And I think that's the mindset of a lot of people. So many. Mm -hmm. I mean, and, and don't get me wrong. I, I believe in, you know, thinking positively and, and things like that, but there was something really wrong and I needed to take that medication. Mindset only goes so far. Oh yeah. Yeah. And, and it was not working for Mm -hmm. me. And Mm -hmm. so I struggled for another year unmedicated Mm -hmm. and finally, um, finally got to a point where there was just so much going on and, and my marriage was falling apart during the same time too. So, Mm -hmm. so by the time I start, I actually was taking an antidepressant that also helped with anxiety. Mm -hmm. Um, it was really hard to know, was this postpartum depression, right? Because I didn't have a newborn anymore. Sure. Yeah. You're like, this is a year and a half old. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, so it was really hard to tell if it was postpartum depression, if it was circumstantial depression, or mm-hmm. if it was something else entirely. Mm-hmm. You know, the circumstance being my marriage kind of collapsing. Yeah. Um, all really legitimate things. So sure. I was on antidepressants for two years, mm-hmm. I think. Mm-hmm. And um, and I remember, I I remember, you know, kind of feeling I I got to the point in 2012 where I was like, okay, I, I think, I think I'm actually doing okay. Mm-hmm. And do you feel like they helped? A hundred percent. Yes. You felt a difference. Oh, yeah. I, there's no way. Um, there's no way I could have yeah. made it through that time if I had not been mm-hmm. on antidepressant medication. Mm-hmm. Absolutely not. Mm-hmm. I think that's important for people to hear. Yeah. Because, because number one, there's no shame in Asking for help. Yeah. There's certainly no shame in finding something that works. Yeah. That makes your life better. Like that's all you're doing. Yeah. Whether this is anxiety or recovering from addiction Mm -hmm. or losing weight or whatever, it's about finding something that makes Mm -hmm. you a better version of you. Absolutely. That's all it comes down to. Right. Yeah. It it was, I started taking them in 2000, uh, 10. Or, uh, now I don't even remember, honestly, that was a really, it was a tough time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't well, remember cloudy. a lot. That it's whole, super cloudy. that whole era. I'm, I'm missing sure. months of information. Yeah. Sure. Um, due to the depression. Also part of depression. Yeah. 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 Due to all of that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I remember, I remember the, the first day I took it and, and I remember the last day mm-hmm. I took up, I remember feeling really proud of myself. And again, this is my own experience. Mm -hmm. Um, and I, and I understand that there are people that have to take medication for the rest of their lives to be able to function. There Mm -hmm. is no shame in that. But for me, I was ready to, to wean myself off of it. I had come up with some really other good supports Mm -hmm. and, and things like that. And I was in, I was in, um, active therapy. I, I continue to be in active Mm -hmm. therapy eight years later. Mm -hmm. Shout out so important to my awesome therapist. Love good therapists. Yep. She's amazing. But um, I took a picture of the empty pill bottle. Awesome. And I was like, I don't think I've ever been just so excited to, yeah. to be able to say. It felt like an accomplishment. Yeah, it did. Absolutely. It felt like yeah. a big accomplishment because there there was so much that was going on mm-hmm. um, to kind of finally say, okay, I'm, I've dug myself out of this crazy place yeah. that that I didn't put myself there. Right. A lot of it was 
not by my own choosing whatsoever, mm-hmm. but to just say, I'm still here. I'm, I'm alive. I'm here. I'm, you know, showing up. Yeah. I've done the hard work. Yeah. And I'm not sad all the time. Yeah. And yep. I, I'm, yeah, all of it. So, so mm-hmm. that was my experience. I still, um, I think the anxiety piece still mm-hmm. kind of creeps up more, more often than, than the depression piece, which mm-hmm. is really interesting because, um, the two were so connected for me in that, in that time mm-hmm. that, you know, three year span, two and a half, three year span. Yeah. Um, and now I don't feel the depression as much, mm-hmm. but anxiety will kind of ebb and flow a little bit more. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of it is hormonal. Sure. Yep. Which is really interesting mm-hmm. as I've gotten older. Mm-hmm. And yeah, and you pay attention to it. Yeah, I right? think I'm be I'm more in tune with all of it now. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, that's so that's the piece that's still it's still there. And and at the end of last year before I quit my job, it was super crazy. Mm-hmm. And my my husband was noticing it. Mm-hmm. I wasn't sleeping. Yep. Um, I was drinking too much Mm -hmm. and you know all these terrible coping mechanisms right Mm -hmm. and uh which coincidentally can exacerbate all the things yeah yep (laughs) so not managing it the best way Mm -hmm. but um yeah after I after I quit my job and and since I've been independently employed um it's been a lot better freedom I know yeah it's been really yeah it makes a huge difference Mm -hmm. Yeah. What about you? Oh gosh. Um, so I would say that, um, I've always struggled. I've always struggled with both. Yeah. But I don't think I had, um, the words or the definition for that until later on in my life. Mm -hmm. Um, when I got to college, I was diagnosed with ADD. That's always fun. Which, well, it was life-changing for me because it was like, Oh, my brain has been working on overdrive to get me this far. Like, think of how much my brain can just like relax mm-hmm. a little bit and like help me, <laughs> help me like function like a normal, a normal brain. Um, so that was huge because also because anxiety and depression often go hand in hand mm-hmm. with ADD. And so um I felt like there was a few things that were answered for me once I got the ADD diagnosis because I started taking Adderall and the anxiety and the depression kind of subsided. Mm. Um, so I, I, oh, I've always thought like, I wonder if the fact that my brain just works so fast and I'm so hyper aware of everything around me and I'm an empath like you, I feel literally every piece of energy from every creature around me, um, that all compounded just makes me an anxious person. Um, and then I would say the depression for me has kind of been peppered in throughout my life. Um, in circumstances. Mm-hmm. So, um, when I went to college, I didn't really love my first year of college. I felt alone. I felt unprepared. I felt disconnected. Um, I missed my home and my family. That's where I really learned. I was for sure a homebody. Um, so that was hard for me. And, um, and then again, um, you know, when my dad died, obviously that's grief. I don't think I would call that depression. I would call that more of a grief situation. Um, but certainly the two, I would say go hand in hand. Um, yeah, they're kissing cousins. Yeah, for sure. Um, and so uh, more recently, however, I would say that I have 
really dug deeply into um, the source of my anxiety and depression. Mm. And that came out of a discussion actually with my friend Cher, who is also a therapist, who has also done this same work um, that she suggested to me. She said, so backstory, I had Anthony. My pregnancy was amazing. Um, I love being pregnant. I've literally never felt better in my life. Yeah. And then I had this kind of traumatic birth and postpartum situation with high blood pressure and all the things. And, um, all of my anxiety just got balled up and just like sat in my chest for months. You were struggling. I saw you big struggle only a couple times during that time. Yeah. And it was, you were like a different person. Yeah. When I, I remember coming to visit you with all of that and I went, Whoa. Yeah. I have, I had no idea first of all. And yeah. Um, and it was, such, there was such a physical countenance yeah. representation of that. Like yeah. just your whole mm-hmm. countenance. I don't know yeah. how to call it other than that. Energy. Your energy, just yeah. everything was heavier. Yeah. And I was heartbroken for yeah. you. I think that um, the hardest part for me about that is that I it's hard for me to disconnect that from how incredibly grateful and happy I was about Anthony and having my baby. And I think that's in relation to postpartum depression and anxiety. I think that's where it's almost made worse by Mm -hmm. feeling so guilty that you feel the way you do. Oh yeah. And none of my, so like I never had those like really vivid visions that you were talking Mm -hmm. about with Macy. I never had any of that. It was never directed at Anthony. For me, it was always about me. I mean, I was convinced that I was going to keel over and die at any moment. That's for, so terrifying. For like four straight months after Anthony was born. Ugh. I was just constantly terrified that I was going to die. And and be, and it stemmed from this really intense birth and then this high blood pressure stuff after the birth that is actually fairly common. Yeah. <laughs> but to me, it was scary. And um, because of my family history and da, 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 you know, it was just, I don't know. But then what happened was the anxiety, having anxiety made me have more anxiety. Yeah. <laughs> because I couldn't let go of it. I was feeling like I couldn't, like, what's wrong with me? Like, you're going to kill yourself here because you're going to, you're going to stroke out and because and you're so anxious, because you're so anxious. So get the F over it and get your shit straight and like be a mom and figure it out. And for four months straight, I couldn't do it. Those four months, those first four months of his life, and that, and this like is so heartbreaking to me. But I don't, I don't remember, I don't remember hardly any of it. No, I, I have, you. I have almost zero rec- recollection of of any of those moments. Mm-hmm. And I look at pictures of of that time now, and I don't even like know who that person was. Yeah. Um. Sorry. Okay. Yeah, that's so hard. I mean, I remember feeling the same way. Um, and for me, it it persisted until Macy was close to two. Yeah. Because I was in such tough stuff. Yeah. And yeah, I'm relying on the few little things that I posted on Facebook back then. Yeah. Because I was really trying to make my world very small. Yeah, I didn't sure. want to share a whole lot. Yep. Um but there are, it's so odd because I will go back, I'll see things that post that come up on my, you yeah, know, Facebook, on your this, memories or my, whatever. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And go, wow, I don't even remember that. I don't even remember that. Yeah. Yeah. That's how, how I feel. How bizarre. It's yeah. crazy. 
So, so that was like the first few months. And then I kind of started like coming out of the dark a little bit and like on my own. I mean, I never, I don't think I realized what was happening until my therapist said, Claire, like this is kind of PTSD from your experience in the hospital. It's postpartum anxiety, which by the way, I didn't know postpartum anxiety was a thing. I thought it was only postpartum depression. Yeah. So I wasn't looking out for anxiety and I was just looking for depression, which to me in the moment I couldn't see. I just didn't, I, I just thought it was me being afraid of dying. Like that's all I thought it was. Right. In hindsight, it was all of the shit. Yeah. It was all of all it. All of it. Yeah. And um, I remember I saw you either, I think I saw you right before and then right after this same time. So we saw each other within a couple weeks span. But when I came over the first time, you had the um, blood pressure monitor. Yeah. On the coffee table. On the coffee table. Yeah. It was like front and center. Yeah. Right there. Yeah. And then the source of my anxiety. Yes. That thing. And then a few weeks later, you were like, my therapist told me to put it away. Yep. Don't even check it. Yep. You're going to go have checkups at the doctor. Yeah. And we're my chiropractor was doing it. Yep. Yeah. Yep. And so, so don't even have it. Don't even look at it. Yeah. You put it away. Yep. And was that a huge like click a for me switch yeah. for you? Yeah. And I, um, actually my chiropractor was a huge part of that too. He was such a healer in so many ways for me. Um, he would, I would go in to get adjusted and he would take my blood pressure before, and then he would take it after. Mm. And every, and I would go, I mean, I was to the point where I was going a couple, and he was kind of like a therapist too. <laughs> so it was just like so healing for me. But, um, you know, every time I would go, it, my blood pressure would get better mm-hmm. and better and better. And I was on medication for it, two different medications for it. And finally I could feel that my blood pressure was too low. So then my doc was like, take one out. Now you're just on one. We'll do that for a few weeks. And she kept saying, like, this isn't forever. This is just a temporary thing. This is what happened. Like, your body's just adjusting. Right? Yeah. I will say that the thing that nobody talked about is my hormones. Oof. Nobody talked about my hormones at, at any time during that. Which, during that time. Time out. That is so crazy to me. People, why aren't we talking to women yeah. about hormones? It's a huge piece. <laughs> and I'm, I didn't figure it out until a few weeks ago actually. Oh, wow. So tell us what happened. So fast forward the next two years, I'm, you know, I've kind of, it's kind of evened out. The anxiety Mm -hmm. is not gone, but over the last, I would say six months, I started really realizing that, um, my relationships were being affected. I was being a really shitty friend. Um, I wasn't showing up. I didn't want to leave the house. My relationship Mm -hmm. with Mitch was suffering all the things. And so I finally said, okay, I think I'm ready to like think about what options I have. So um, I didn't want to go to the doctor and be told, here's some anti-anxiety medication. Because in my heart of hearts, I knew that I hadn't exhausted all the other options. Mm, Now, I I wasn't against that, but I wanted to see if there was something physiologically going on that I could take care of before I went on an antidepressant or anti-anxiety medication. Yeah. Good for you. I mean, that's... It's well, good to kind of rule out all the options and yes. really treat the actual problem instead of just maybe throwing Probably a bandaid on Yeah. It. So this was suggested to me by my friend Cher, who I talked about. She's a therapist, and she often tells her clients, before we do any work, I want you to go get your blood work done. Let's look at what's going on with you physiologically, clear all that up, and then we'll fill in the other holes. Yeah. And that when she said that, I was like, oh, my gosh, that makes so much sense to me. Yeah. So I went and got my blood work done, full blood workup, 
And sure enough, my hormones are in the tank. Mercy. And my naturopath was like, Claire, if you were 40 years old, I would be giving you hormone replacement. Like, whoa, but you're not there yet. You want to have another baby, blah, 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 blah. Vitamin D deficient, check. Um, Iron deficient, check. Omega-3 deficient, check. Like all the things. Wow. So we went through all the things and we went through the things that I can do to help fix that. Right. And within weeks, I would say I felt a hundred times better. Oh, like yeah. better than I ever have. Oh, yeah. And again, I was there at the beginning of all of that. Yes. Huge change. Yeah. I mean, that was when that. we first sat down mm-hmm. to talk about this. That yeah. was about the same time yep. that I started. And it's probably been, what, three months, three I would months, say. Yeah. Um, and she said, give it three to six months. And I probably, within like the first few weeks of that, was feeling like, oh my gosh. And of course, I'm doing therapy and I'm going to the chiropractor and I'm working out more. So I'm doing all these things that are of course helpful of course to those yeah um but i think it's important to to look at all of that yeah and that's just again that's just my experience and some people are um i don't want to say this i'm scared to say it cuz i think it's controversial but i think my intention will come across genuine and that is that i think that sometimes depression and anxiety can be more environmental and circumstantial than it is an actually illness or disease. I agree. I mean, I would agree with that. And there's evidence to support the fact that it's not a chemical imbalance in your brain. Always. Always. Right. Um, and for some people it's just figuring out the physiology or figuring out the circumstances. Right. So what do you wish? Cause I think this is really interesting. I think that there's a potential for people listening who know you and I, who are hearing that you struggled with anxiety for a really long time or that I was depressed Mm. at some point, both were both confident, outgoing, happy people for Mm -hmm. the most part, Mm -hmm. pretty positive outlook on lives. Where do you think the misconception and and what would you say to people who are just shocked by that? Because I think, I think it's a thing we don't necessarily fit the, anxious, depressed stereotypes. And I think that makes it harder. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I feel like there's a lot of expectations for who I am and what I do. And, um, I think I'm, I feel like as I get older, I come out of that box more and more. Yeah. Um, I give a lot less shits what people think about me. Um, I think that what I would say is that, um, I pretended for a long time that I was okay. Mm -hmm. Um, even when I was younger, Totally. I masked it very well because that's just what was expected of me. And because nobody's talking about it. Yeah. Nobody's talking about it as if it's normal, which is why I'm so glad we're doing this. And it's why I got really real on my blog the other day about it. And it's why we have to make it more of a normal conversation. Totally. I just felt like I couldn't even say, and I didn't have the words for it. Yeah. What do I call this? What do I call this feeling where it feels like it's this freight train of fear and and self-loathing and bleh, just all the crap? Yeah. What do I call that? Yeah. I didn't even have the words for it. Yeah. So I think that's why we have to have this discussion more often because a lot of times it's the people that you would never expect. Totally. I mean, I think that was the big thing for me was – same as you feeling like I was doing all the things that everybody else 
wanted. And that was, that was the thing that hit me when it all kind of fell apart was, wait a second, I did everything right still. Yeah. And it still turned out this way. I'm still depressed. I'm still, my life is still falling apart. Right. Okay. Well that clearly didn't work. So yeah. So Actually, I'm not going to do that anymore. Yeah. Well, <laughs> if it didn't work, yes. if, it didn't, if it didn't protect me from feeling all of this crummy stuff, then I'm not going to do that. That's a lot of energy. Absolutely. That I just don't have anymore. Yes. And I think that that's a huge catalyst to my own transformation was I'm just done pretending. Mm-hmm. I'm just done doing the things that people yeah. expect me to do. Yeah. And for me, I think too, it was a cycle. I grew up being a people pleaser. And so I, and I need, I felt like I needed to do that because I didn't want to lose friends or I did, 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 did yeah. or I was the fat girl. And so I needed to prove myself by being a people pleaser and saying yes and being the funny one and doing all the things. Right. But then that just snowballed the anxiety. Yep. So I want to be a people pleaser because I already have anxiety. Okay. So then I'm a people pleaser. So then I'm doing all the things, but then I still have the anxiety. So then I have more anxiety because then I have anxiety. You know, it's like, there's like, you get anxiety and you get anxiety. (laughs) It's like the Oprah of anxiety and depression. But that's, as I've grown up, that's what I have learned. It's just this cycle. And so I have to stop trying to be the thing that everybody I think everybody wants or needs me to be mm-hmm. and just be who I am and say yes and no to the things that I want to say yes and no to yeah. without concerning being concerned about other people. That was a big piece of my transformation. I think too, I'm wondering, and I think this is something that is resonating right now with a lot of women and kind of where we're at socially is this idea of being the strong and confident woman, right? Yeah. This is the narrative that that we're talking about, which is great. 100%. I love that. Yeah, I agree. Don't change anything about that. But along with that is that there still is this idea that if I admit that I have anxiety or depression or have some other kind of mental illness or something else going on with a chronic pain, I mean, all of it, that I've somehow failed. Sure. I'm a failure. I'm not enough. I'm not enough. I'm a failure. And yeah. I and I just, I got to say... Anytime I see someone stepping into that, I have a a friend on Facebook who um, I went to high school with this gal. She's a few years younger than me and she is dealing with some stuff Mm -hmm. right now. I mean, big stuff that I I literally cannot even fathom Mm -hmm. going through this and she is doing it and she is, and it's, it's awful. It's so hard and awful and heartbreaking. Um, and the level of, of depression and anxiety and kind of the, the demons that she is wrestling with right now is so intense, but she is sharing it. Mm-hmm. She's sharing it every single step of the way mm-hmm. to say, I want my village. I want my people. I want my network to understand this and to just squash the stigma yeah. of all of it. And yeah. I, I'm like, yes, yes, go preach yes. girl. Yeah. Like, let me, how can I show up for you even more? Like, how can I elevate this even more? Yeah. Because, and, and people are responding. No one is coming in and shaming her. No one is coming and saying, don't, no, we can't talk about that. Yeah. Yeah. Oh no, that's not appropriate. Or, oh, I I just feel really uncomfortable. No one is, I mean, if they are, they're not saying it on her Facebook page, obviously. Sure. But she has just dozens of people every single time she reaches out, people responding. And Mm -hmm. it is the most beautiful thing. Yeah. I, I just, I, I, I mean, feel, that's what we need. Yeah. I feel really proud of her for doing it. Mm-hmm. And, and I want, 
I just, I want more of that, that it's not a failure. Yeah. If it's not a failure, if you're having something happen in your life and your life is falling apart, it's Mm -hmm. not a failure if your hormones are all out of whack because you just gave birth or for whatever other reason. Because you're a woman. Because you're a woman. Yeah, right. Yeah. And you're not a failure if you have some kind of chemical deficiency. It's just the way that you are. Right. Right. And so, and so none of it, none of it is a failure. No. And, and there's strength and power in Mm -hmm. owning it and naming it and fixing it. Yep. There, that's where the power is. Yeah. You know, taking it back. Totally. And saying, this is mine. And it goes back, it reminds me of the conversation we had about girlfriends. I mean, let's talk about real shit. Yeah. Like there are some friends in my life who, when I say, I'm really sorry, I've been a shitty friend, but like, let me tell you what's going on. They don't get it. Mm. They don't get it. That's so hard. And sometimes, and you know, that's their truth. And like a lot of times I think it's just because they've never experienced it. And so they probably will at some point in their life and then they'll get it. Um, But I'm still saying it. Right. I'm still saying it. Because yeah. it needs to be talked about. Yeah. And um, and I'm certainly not an expert at, you know, I'm not saying that I'm doing it all the time because there's still so much fear around the stigma about it. But I feel like every time I reach out and say something about it, whether it's publicly or in a blog or whatever to a friend, it it um, empowers me. Mm-hmm. It empowers me. So, yeah, you rec- re- reclaim another little piece, mm-hmm. taking it back. Yeah. Yeah, I posted something, I don't remember where, but just that that fear and shame, they can't live in, in the light. And so as soon as yeah. you bring something into the light by speaking it, by giving it a name, it diminishes. Yeah. That thing diminishes. It, there's just no way to, to let it mm-hmm. live. Mm-hmm. And so that's what we wanted to do today. We wanted to kind yeah. of speak some light into these really tender topics. Mm-hmm. Um, we know that this is heavy stuff, yeah. but we, we do want to be real about our yeah. experiences Definitely. and, and, and really the, the goal in that is to create a space for somebody else to come in and say, Oh my gosh, me too. Yes. That's what I was going to say. That's the whole point. I mean, this is a perfect topic for you can sit with us because yeah. whatever your truth is around this, whether it's postpartum, whether it's general anxiety, whether it's circumstantial, we want you to speak your truth mm-hmm. and know that you're not alone and know that that freight train is not forever. doesn't have to yeah. be forever. And if it is, then we can talk about it all along the way, Yeah, you know? So, but just bringing, shining a little bit of light into it. Sure. Yeah. So, okay. Well, that's all we have for today. Thanks for sitting with us. Be sure to subscribe to You Can Sit With Us on Anchor Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite listening content. If you like what you hear, be sure to leave us a review. Thanks to those who have already. And share this with your friends. Yes. Something resonated with you today. Please share it. Um, We're so happy and honored to be on this journey with you. So we'll talk to you guys soon. Bye, guys.